Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Grow Your Path to Wellness. During last week's episode, we hosted Kira Bailey, and we had some pretty real talk about, you know, breaking through the stigma and the taboo of healthy sex, BDSM, kink, and a whole lot more. So if you missed that, you want to go back and catch that one. This week, our guest is Dr. Nicole Goddard, and she's bringing the topic with her of the mind, body, and spirit, the connection of those things, and how she integrates those into her work in orthopedics and sports medicine. So, so welcome, Dr. Nicole. Thank you for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I know as a you know healthcare provider, taking time out of your day between patients is a lot to ask, so we really appreciate you being here. Tell us a little bit about you. What do you do? What's your background, you know, and why this topic today? Sure. Well, again, thank you for having me. Um, I'm originally from Southern West Virginia. Uh, My dad was a professional baseball player and subsequently uh, a coach in Southern West Virginia. He's almost 71 and he is still a baseball coach. So... When I was growing up, he was my coach for a few sports and had my brother and myself um, very active in athletics, not because he wanted it, but because um, we wanted it and he encouraged that. And so it was always instilled in me, you play because you want to play. Um, But I really enjoyed the community, the community. confidence that it built, the leadership skills, and then also teamwork. I mostly played team sports until later in life when I took up golf and yoga. (laughs) Um, I'll get to you, but when I was 17, I had a non-contact ACL tear playing basketball. And so at 17, I had a pretty big orthopedic surgery and it was, you know, pretty quickly after the injury that, um, I started to feel the emotional toll. So I don't think it was just, oh, you tore your ACL. You're then removed from an activity that you love that was also very much part of the family, your friends. Um, And I I couldn't even go to school right after the surgery. So I was out of school for a period of time, which I did enjoy. Um, So that was the first time that I really could see the connection from a personal level of how does an injury affect your mind and your soul, um, not just the body. Mm-hmm. That's what prompted me to go into sports medicine. Um, we didn't really have sports medicine where I grew up at the time. And so it was an endeavor I, I undertook. I really just felt led on that path. Um, and I stayed within an hour of home to do college. Um, medical school and residency. And then in residency, my brother was diagnosed with cancer and he was getting ready to start his medical journey. And that's a a story for him to tell, but he's definitely one of my heroes. And so again, kind of seeing that mind body spirit connection through that Mm -hmm. diagnosis and treatment. And then at the end of my sports medicine fellowship tore my other ACL so then you had to move to a new city, start your job as an attending, and I knew no one and couldn't really do very much. And that's how I got into yoga. 
And when I got into yoga, I realized this is a great entity to bring in that holistic approach that I learned in medical school. That was very much a part of the osteopathic tenets that the body is a unit and structure equals function. And then also the mind, body, spirit um, component. So I was able to take that and bring it into my own therapy for my knee um, as I was healing from my surgery. And now I try to take that yoke of mind, body, and spirit to my patients. So um, whenever we're hurt and we're pulled out of something that we love, it's not just the ankle that hurts. It can be um, from a connection level. I don't get to see my friends now at my you know, yoga class or in my walking or running group. Um, and so I think that's why I try to always approach it from a holistic aspect. Um, Cause then I feel like we do get the best healing physically when we're taking care of the rest of our body. Oh, I love it. Okay. Sorry. I have a question because you said, you know, those holistic, um, I can't remember the word practices that were taught or tenants that you're taught in medical school. And I was like, huh. But then you said osteopathic and I was mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, she's the DO. So can you explain, because I think oftentimes just in my experiences personally, and then working with clients that have had a lot of like mind somatic trauma issues, when they go to a typical medical provider that might be an MD, they don't necessarily get that treatment. So can you explain the difference for people? Because I don't think a lot of the world knows the difference unless you go into it, right? Sure. Yeah. Well, I, um, where I grew up, it was pretty osteopathic heavy, just with having the osteopathic school in Lewisburg, uh, about an hour away. Um, but a doctor of osteopathic uh, medicine has the same training as a medical doctor of allopathic medicine with a, a few little extra bit. So we do osteopathic manipulative treatment, which can be done not just on the somatic body. So like the extremities, the muscles, bones, joints, but also on the viscera, the organs. So we can also do some manipulative techniques to help people who have, for example, pneumonia, um, or if they're undergoing some issues like maybe after a surgery and their bowels aren't moving as well. So we have that extra bit of training, but we can also prescribe medications and um, do surgery. So we go through the, the same training with the extra training on the manipulative side. Um, and then the philosophy is you're treating the person, you're not treating the disease. So, um, it, it helps to say, you know, this is um, Amanda and she is here for this issue. And this is why she's here and her goals. How can we help her be her best self to exist in the world? Instead of like, a, <clears throat> this is a, a diabetic patient or that language sounds different, like in the order that it, that it comes when you're talking about the patient and what the primary focus is. And I will say I, I have worked with and met some wonderful um, medical doctors of allopathic medicine. Um, my dad's physician, who was my primary care physician for a long time, was a, a medical doctor of allopathic medicine, but he really embraced 
the holistic mind, body, spirit. This is a person approach. He's retired now, but I know I could call him up and ask him a question. He was just a great man. So I think, you know, there's a, a lot of um, excitement now. And because we've kind of merged um, outside of the medical school, there's been a merging of the two um, through residencies and fellowships. So like, there's a lot of interest in each of us learning about each other. And there's opportunity now for um, MDs to have training in osteopathic manipulative technique in their residencies and fellowships, and even once they're in attending. I'm glad, really glad to hear that. I feel like yeah. in our field and outside looking in, we've you know met with you and you know Amanda and stuff, but we lean heavy on that. And in our field, I feel like it's common to get kind of tunnel vision, and it's and it doesn't feel like that. So it's good to, to hear that and that that's kind of, you know, a new wave of integrating both of those things. Oh, yes. Yes. And I also, I appreciate you sharing your own story about your injuries and the things that you noticed about yourself because I feel like so often we are I don't know we're like you said it's treated like whatever it is that we're struggling with so then if we need that help I'm glad that you shared that like hey it's it's a normal thing to experience this emotional pain along with a physical injury and I think that helps normalize it for other people as well hundred percent. Yeah. When I was going through my rehab, I definitely progressed until the day of softball tryouts. And I had a great group of physical therapists, um, back in Raleigh County, West Virginia, <laughs> it was a small town. They knew me, they knew my dad, but I, I just plateaued. And finally they walked up to me and they said, you know what, what's going on? I said, well, cause I hurt myself in basketball. I also played softball. This is my junior year and I was really looking forward to it. And I said, well, you know, softball tryouts were a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a big deal. Yeah. And acknowledging that and people, you know, sometimes sports are looked at as, as a hobby or, and they can be, but you know, and they can also be a very large part of, you know, what makes us feel like we have a a purpose or a connection with others or a part of our identity and whenever that an injury you know can take that it feels like it's taken away from you so suddenly it's like a kind of a, it's a tragedy I've never experienced it myself so I can't speak to that but I can only imagine oh yes yep. yeah I, I, I like that you said that I'm sorry I like that you said that Kelsey because the first thing that came to my mind is that was like a very early grief yeah reaction for you a grief experience and a lot of people think grief is just death or a major loss of some kind but that's a grieving experience in itself right for like your physical ability that you thought you were going to have and now you have to gain back the loss of being able to have that community and fellowship with those friends and sports and you know whatever that looked like for college if you were trying to play in college and that's a major grieving experience too oh yes I will say, I try to take that and show people, I learned a lot about myself. And I think at that time at 17, I made that connection with my family because my dad was this baseball player. 
actually grew closer to my dad during that time because he he was like, I just want you to be healthy. I don't, you know, you play sports because you want to, but it does not define you. Um, and so it helped at an early age to to start to define myself, who who was Nicole. And then as you move through life that way, when you do have an injury or you get diagnosed with a disease, if you're not able to participate in your work or an activity for a certain amount of time, you don't lose who self is, but it's a process. You know, you, you keep growing. You never want to stay stagnant and say, I know who I am and never grow. <laughs> you want to continue to develop that growth mindset, but I think it helps. Um, I always say the way, in the way I was taught was you, you do want your doctor to be a person, you know, it, it helps with empathy. And so I have experienced, you know, the injury and the surgery at a young age when I was in school, but then also in an adult age. And the two are very different. You know, um, when you're hurt, when you're in school, there's accommodations that are made for you. There's a lot of take-home assignments. When I was hurt at an adult age, I had to go to work. You know, so it was, how do you manage this injury and this recovery when now you have an obligation? Mm -hmm. And and so the, the two very much change. And so listening to people's story and the same injury can affect someone very differently when they're 17 versus when they're 30. Mm -hmm. Incorporating that like phase of life and, you know, what is on our plate at that time. A hundred percent. Yeah. Do you mind... Um, sharing just in your actual, like in your professional work, how, what does that look like to integrate like that mind, body, spirit work with a patient? Um, obviously confidentiality you can, but just in general. Yeah. In general, I always ask first, how is this affecting your activities of daily living? People need to be able to cook for themselves, go to the grocery store, in our society and especially in rural areas, you need to be able to drive places. Um, so for example, an injury to the right lower extremity is a lot different than an injury to the left. You know, when you hurt your right side, you can't drive. When you hurt your left, you can, as long as you don't have a clutch, right? So even something as simple as that can affect someone's life, how they can and can't get to work you know, um, then I kind of pull back and say, well, is this affecting your sleep? Because if we don't sleep, we don't heal and we snowball and it becomes more painful when we don't sleep, then we don't sleep because it's more painful. And then I kind of pull back and say, how is this affecting your recreational activities? And then once we kind of have all of it laid out, how is this issue affecting me right now, I say, well, what are your goals? Obviously, most people are gonna say, I don't wanna live in pain. The next one though is usually, I wanna be able to go to sleep. I want to be able to go to work. I wanna be pain-free at work. Um, I wanna be able to go to my grandson's basketball game and sit in the bleachers without being in pain, you know, because that is a big sense of enjoyment you know, for people's being able to be part of the family and, and, uh, and with others, you know, if you used to get together with, you know, girlfriends and play a card game, but now you can't sit at the table or you have no one to drive you to the card game because you broke your right foot. It can be a big deal and take it an emotional toll. 
isolation. Hundred percent. Yeah, it can very much be isolating. And and so then I, I try to have them say, "How's it affecting you now? What are your goals? And then how can we help you get there?" Um, I'll try to coach people through some just deep breathing meditation. Um, some basic coping skills. I try to do some form of meditation at least once, if not twice a day. Um, and then some movement. So we incorporate the breath with the movement and then make sure that people are checking in and giving them permission to check in with themselves on how do I actually feel? And it's okay to say how you feel and recognize it. Um, Cause that is a huge component towards our, our healing. And it's okay to say that I'm frustrated. It's okay to cry. I think it's good to let that out. Mm -hmm. And helping them facilitate like that connection of like, okay, pain, we feel the pain, but what else do we feel? Exactly. Like, actual, you know, cause that we know with chronic, like just chronic pain, the impact that that can have on us. Oh on yeah. A chronic basis. So I like that you incorporate but instead of just like using a pain scale how's your pain been a last couple of weeks it more than that like that's important but then all of the other things that could be underneath that right what what fluctuates the pain you know what makes me when do I feel better when do I feel worse um yeah it's all interrelated yeah and it sounds like then you you know with meditation and breath work you help them kind of move through that feeling, move through that pain and maybe get to another side. I love what you said about, um, you know, giving yourself, you know, allowing yourself to feel and asking yourself how you're feeling. Um, I don't know if you've ever read the book, but I've had it recommended many times and I'm, I'm in the process of reading it, like starting to read it again, but it's called Permission to Feel by Mark Brackett. And it really talks about like how in our day-to-day -day lives, how often do we say, hey, how you doing? And then awkwardly, it's just like, I'm fine, I'm good. Right. Um, because no one gave us the language too. So I think I just wanna thank you for bringing it up again in such a common setting where people are seen all the time for their healthcare and normalizing that I really do care how you're feeling, right? I really do care if you're feeling sad or you're feeling despair or you're feeling disappointment or, and like helping give people the words to use with that. Yes. I say people aren't, we're not check boxes or algorithms. You know, we, we try to, you know, base decisions off of, of those entities, but I, I want, my patients to feel like they can talk to me and facilitate that doctor patient relationship. And in my training, it, it was in a rural area and there were amazing doctors there who worked with patients. They were there when they were born and they took care of them through life and they would deliver their children. And that was kind of my concept of, oh, this is what a family medicine doctor is. And so I was really blessed in that regard to see it from that perspective. And then moving that forward into a, a specialty, I like to call it integrative orthopedics. So it's one thing for me to tell you what the diagnosis is and to say, this is what we're going to do to treat it. But I like to say, you know, this is what I think has happened to your body 
and given your goals here how here's how i would like to help you reach those goals in healing how do you feel about this plan do we have any roadblocks you know because some people say it's since i have you know broken my right foot i don't have anyone to drive me to therapy so how how do i make that happen and so we try to talk through making that happen and then helping um I always say the root of being a doctor is to teach. So I want to teach you why this might've happened, how we're going to heal, and then why we're doing these certain things towards health. Um, so in the osteopathic world, when we have the osteopathic manipulative treatment as a tool, as I'm trying to correct dysfunction, I also try to give people tools so that when they go home, they know what they can do for their own body, whether it be exercises or yoga flow or self myofascial release with tennis balls, you know, which is amazing if you all have not tried it. Um, but just to give them tools that they understand how their body functions and how we're going to work on bringing them back towards optimal wellness. I was going to ask you whenever you said the manipulation piece of it, that physical manipulation, what, and you, you, as I was thinking it, you started touching on some of them, but like, what exactly does that mean for like our listeners when you, I know that might not be tied directly to today's topic, but it's empowering to say like, here's something that you can do yourself. I heard you say that. So oh, sure. examples of that manipulation. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'll, and I'll use myofascial release as an option, but there's several different, um, techniques and just to kind of generalize and give an example I'll usually watch someone walk I'll take in their gait and then we do like a full from the uh, musculoskeletal world I do a, a full body assessment keep in mind you can use this inpatient for pneumonia or people who are have just had surgery so there's there's other realms um, within this but what I mostly use are the, the musculoskeletal um, or somatic uh, body techniques. So uh, um, uh, myofascial release, muscle energy, counter strain, high velocity, low amplitude. Those are just some examples of techniques that we use articulatory um, and to kind of dig a little deeper there. So let's say you have pain in your lower back and what we'll do sometimes is just check how that fascia is moving over those muscles. So we can do a lot of exercises, injection, surgery, but if that fascia is still tight around those muscles, because for two or three decades, it has been trying to help those muscles stay tight to protect a back that's maybe arthritic, we need to give it permission to move and to loosen up, but it might not know how to. And the fascia is the covering over the muscles. And so we have it just like, you know, other animals and it's, it's overlying the muscles in different groups and it can become tight and limiting. And so we kind of see how is this fascia moving in each plane? And then we can take it towards a direct or an indirect path towards release. And then moving forward, one of the ways that we can do that at home is by using some something like a tennis ball or yoga therapy ball to help kind of lubricate and move that fascia. So that then when you do your exercises, you're getting the optimal movement and strengthening of the muscles and you're not limited um, by the fascia. 
And that's kind of a, a growing concept. We're, we're seeing that fascia can transmit pain and actually might even hold on to old experiences. And that could be why we're getting that tight, stiff feeling in certain parts of our body because the body's very smart and you know the body remembers. And so it might hold on to, to experiences in places that we don't always think of. Like that triggered for me and I'm sure, and I'm, I'm, I can't speak for Amanda, but I seen both of us smile because we both, in our, and you know, not in the mental health arena, we always say, and I'm sure you've heard, you know, trauma stores itself alive in the body. Mm-hmm. So then that doesn't make physical trauma would store itself physically in the body, you know, and then those emotions are a whole other thing for, you know, another day. But like in general, that makes a whole lot of sense for me on my end of things. Yeah, I immediately thought of the book, The Body Keeps a Score. I was like, yeah, the body keeps a score that's stored alive in our body somewhere. And then we can go on a, you know, a, a segue of where emotions are stored in the body. We did an episode on that too, but uh, yeah. I love it. Okay, so how do people, I just my own curiosity, how do people respond to that? Because it seems, I love the model because I think oftentimes, again, and this is just my, my perception and my experiences, um, but a lot of times it seems like people get referred out for like PT or those kind of things. And it seems like you have everything in one space, which is really beautiful. How do people respond, especially maybe like older generations that are like, just fix the problem doc type thing. How do people respond when you're like, but how does that make you feel? And let's talk about it and do these stretches and that kind of stuff. Um, it's different. Usually people have a little bit of an open mind if they come to see me, um, especially if they're being referred in, that doctor will usually tell them why. And then they'll read a, read about me on my bio. So normally the people who come in have a little bit of an idea of why they're coming in an open mind. Um, and it was funny that you used that word fix because I was talking about this with another surgeon. He's an amazing surgeon. And he said, I just don't know if we can use the word fix with the human body because, you know, um, I don't know if we fix it. We bring it back to a state of management. And I said, yes, that we want to try to bring that body back to homeostasis. So we're either coaching or doing a surgery or an injection or taking a medicine to bring the body back to a state where it can try to manage itself. So even for example, if you have high blood pressure, if you don't take your medicine, you don't eat the right diet, it's going to continue to creep up. The medicine and the diet bring it back to a level where the body's able to manage it. But the medicine still is going in and, and telling something how to work, and then it has to respond and then keep it there. Um, so, you know, it's, it's different. I um, just try to plant the seed and then let the person work through if they want to try that treatment or not. And, and sometimes, you know, people go away for a little bit and I don't see them. Hopefully they come back, <laughs> but, but sometimes they don't and, and that's okay. Um, Cause I think we're all in our journey with health and wellness. And so, you know, we all have to be accepting of, of where we are at that time And I like for people to be at peace with their decision for their next step in their healthcare, whether that be a medication, an injection, surgery, home exercises, physical therapy, 
meditation, breath work. We want to be at peace with the decision that we've made for how we want to take care of ourselves. I love that shift. And I mean, it, it, I don't know, I sound repetitive, but it, in my brain, it, I like that shift in language, like how, like you're modeling for the patient, like, you know, this isn't not that, I mean, some people have that expectation of a, a quick fix, but it's more of like planting that seed of this is a journey and we have to work with the body, not against it. And then it's not just something that is a fix. It's like, we're, it's a whole process with it. Correct. Yes. Um, even for example, when my brother was diagnosed with cancer, he was part of the decision-making process and that could have been a fatal outcome. Thankfully for him, it was not, but he was given a few different options for treatment. And as a family, we sat down and talked about the options with a physician who was recommending them. And we knew one of those options has a, a higher cure rate, but there's a risk for adverse outcomes down the road. And we took that option and now he's monitored, but he's here with us, but he's still monitored to make sure those adverse effects don't occur. So there, there's always, you know, options. Um, some of them come with, with adverse outcomes possibly down the road. But like I told him, I said, you have to be at peace with this decision. Mm -hmm. His decision was, I definitely want to be alive. We'll handle this as we come. So, um, and that was right when I had started as a, a, an official doctor. So right at the beginning of residency, we were making this decision. And so, but I was able to take that to my patients from a, a personal experience and say, here are options. What are you at peace with? Mm -hmm. And I, I want people to have more questions, you know, hearing them drive those goals. Oh, sorry. Okay. No, you're fine. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes I have the answer and sometimes I don't, you know, and and I try to just be honest when I say I, I don't know what's going to happen in 20 years, but this is this is why I would recommend this today to reach this goal. And then if something else happens, we can always work with that issue. Yeah. So I, I know we're almost out of time. We only have a few minutes, but Amanda, we were both curious about about this question. We were wondering if you are in your work, noticing more people wanting like a holistic approach in medicine, you know, with our more progressive younger generations and just, are you giving that education and finding a, an upswing in that kind of demand lately? I am actually. And, you know, and I think it's from um, platforms like this, there are a lot of podcasts out there and other ways that people, you know, can hear uh, about this approach. So I'm doing a lot of study in functional medicine now, which is root cause medicine and, and just getting into the, the realm of how are people able to access, you know, information. I think when they hear about it, they're interested. And if, especially if people have tried other traditional approaches, I always say, you know, what do you have to lose? You know? And so um, I think just getting information out there and giving people access to different platforms um, to to have resources, you know, because um, now with with technology, I can do a yoga class, but I can send it out, you know, 
versus just the people who are able to come and see me in a studio. So I, I think education and resources have been a big help, you know, in kind of opening people's minds towards another approach. I swear I say this like every week when we have someone that just so aligns with our, you know, goals. We could talk about this forever and I appreciate you coming on and taking your time again. We always ask every guest if there's a certain mantra or um, saying or anything last minute that you'd just like to leave our audience with before we close out. Of course. Well, thank you again for having me. Um, I like to remind myself and tell others, don't take yourself so seriously. Mm. I love that one. You're going to make me tear up because that makes the like inner child work in me. So I know. Happy. I was like, I need to get <laughs> all written on a wall or on my forehead. So I see it every time I look in the mirror. <laughs> well, thank you so much again for your time. Um, you're welcome back anytime, please. And we value all the information that you gave today. Like you said, the internet technology has made it amazing to be able to get this kind of information. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. And uh, so next week for our listeners, just make sure you um, are like, liking, commenting, and subscribing. If you have any questions for Dr. Nicole, we will make sure that we get her practice information connected. So if you're in the Ohio area, um, I know we have listeners from all over the country and even other you know countries. So it, um, we will make sure we get your practice information connected. If you have any questions, please leave them and we'll contact her and maybe hopefully get you an answer. And next week, make sure you stay tuned because we have Dr. Leslie, um, another friend that we found on TikTok, speaking of technology and learning information, she is an expert on neurodevelopmental disorders and ADHD, so that will be our topic for then. Thank you very much and uh, take care and have a good week. Take care, bye. Bye. bye.